Welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is Matt Barbera. Matt is the uh, president of the Playground Theater here in Chicago. So it was a real joy to be able to sit down with him, uh, talk about you know a lot of things surrounding that position and and what uh, what that means. I, I think it just really naturally became a part of the conversation because his topic is uh, the fact that he's a recovering alcoholic, uh, and he gets into what that means to him, but, uh, it's basically, uh, the idea that he just loves being out, being social, um, and, and doing it as often as possible, uh, and, you know, the journey that he's taken, uh, with that being such a big aspect of his life. And, and, uh, he believes an aspect of a lot of young, uh, Chicagoans' lives, and, and especially in this, uh, performer community. Uh, so a lot of that, um, feeds into, uh, his, his position and, and what he gets out of the community still, uh, and what he has gotten out of the community in the past. Uh, so I, I super, super enjoyed this conversation. I think it really, a lot of Matt like shines through in the sense that he, he does love like, uh, engaging people and, and giving them opportunities and things like that, uh, that, that, wouldn't necessarily be the case if he wasn't someone who wanted to um just really uh be like out and about and 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 um working with others so I think it really makes a lot of sense uh with his position that this is something that he decided to talk with me about and I really really enjoyed it um we talk about a lot of shows going on at the playground. Uh, if you're interested, check those out at the-playground.com. I know Matt would appreciate that. He's put in a lot of uh, time and energy over the years, and especially recently, to really um, make that theater what he knows it can be. Uh, tonight and tomorrow, there will be some uh, Just for Laughs Montreal uh uh, showcases so that they can pick up some people from Chicago that they like and uh, show them off there. So check those out um, because they're going to be literally some of the most talented people in Chicago putting up some of their best work. So I can imagine that they will be really incredible shows. Um, also at the playground every Wednesday at 8 o'clock, in the rest of April and May, it will be Squall playing at the new new show, and that has been a blast already, just playing to uh, big houses, meeting new teams, uh, has really been so much fun, we're excited to continue doing it. Another thing continuing is Ray Ray Fridays, 8 o'clock at the One Group Mind Theater in Wrigleyville at the corner of Sheffield and Newport. Check that out. Uh, and 
the Nerdalogs have a Your Stories event this Sunday, Easter, uh, at 7 o'clock at the Public House Theater. That's at Clark and Irving Park. Keep an eye out for some other Nerdalog shows coming up that I'm sure I will be talking about more. Oh, uh, May the 4th, we're having a big party at the Public House where they're watching all the original trilogy of Star Wars because it's May the 4th. Uh, and it, it'll be a potluck. It'll be a bunch of other groups in Chicago all coming to hang out. Some past guests of this show, like Elliot Serrano and a couple other people, I'm sure will be there. So check that out and enjoy this episode. Recording without, like, telling you that I did. Totally. But <laughs> now I have. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> Something's going on. Um, thanks again for bringing this little, you know... Loosen up all the podcast bones. I'm fully, I'm fully loose. I think uh, my day has, has led me towards uh, my winding the, down the, with the, the, the disposition that we're going to talk about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do today? Um, you no, said I, I, you had a full work day today, or you said oh, no, you I have full, one I, tomorrow. I have one tomorrow. That's right. Uh, no, today I. Uh, oh man. Just check some emails. <laughs> right. I checked some emails, looked at, uh, uh, oh, I was just doing some stuff for uh, the showcase that we're doing. Cool. For this year's Characters Just for Laughs. Uh, yeah, that's Montreal. next week. Yeah, the, the 16th and 17th. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so we'll exciting. How many spring. people are booked for that? 24 or 25. That's awesome. So they're doing uh, three sets of like eight. Wow. Uh, uh, they're trying to, like, the last few years, they've done, like, 15 people in a thing. Oh, you know? and so it's way too much. Yeah. So yeah that's to, a good move. Yeah. I mean, it even feels that way. At, after being at Gimme 5 finals last week, there were, what, 15 people yeah. at that? And it was so good, but it's just a lot to watch. And, and, like, I think as a result of that, there were so many good sets that, like, it was hard to for one to even really stand yeah. out. Yeah. I think it came down to, like, who had the best set top to bottom? Like, well, versus. Was, I mean, it was so close. It was ridiculously I, 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 close. I think people fall in love with just various bits, and then you go from there, and it's like, all right, well, what what is the one? Particularly with that many people, like, really, what you're doing is like, oh, what was that one bit? Oh, uh, you know, James Tierney. Yeah, James Tierney speed dating. I've or, had I've talked to so many people about that bit specifically. Yeah, his speed dating. Yeah. Walter, or whatever it yeah. is, man. Walter Kroger. Yeah. <laughs> Walter yeah. Kroger. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Allison's dating the Allison Banowski is dating the wall. Uh -huh. It's so funny. Uh huh. It is so easy to that one in particular is like you explain that bit to someone and they get it yeah. and they can see the comedy in it already. But then, like in performance, if you just totally sell it, then yeah. that's no, that's it. <laughs> it's so good. That's like one of those when I always look at when I. See, the Gimme Five stuff, I always think, would that be a great character for, for like, out of character? Yes. I think it would be hysterical. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. I, um, think, I think this season we may have people sit in. Uh, oh, and, cool. And be, like, guest monologists occasionally. That to, would be awesome. To get some cool new characters in there. Yeah, like, I've only seen out of character a couple times, but it's generally just one person doing one solo bit, mm -hmm. and then they do the whole... Uh, yeah, they try. Uh, improv set based around that bit. Yeah, we're trying to get things that either directly relate 
in a relationship standpoint to the character or just create the world of that character that that character could right. sort of pass through. Anytime. I mean, there's so many bits from that uh, Give Me Five that would work as incredible. Like, oh, yeah. creating a world around that character. Oh, totally. I mean, it, I mean, outrageous. Back, even back to James's guide, like, as a speed dater. I mean, exactly. That would be just out of control for a whole show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... Yeah, or even you know Tom Fell's uh, <laughs> Australian, Australian priest preacher. Yeah, yeah, I was I had the same thought. The last hurrah. The last hurrah. Take this. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Uh, just to see him carry that out for twenty five minutes might be hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> to see how he could like be, be consistent inside that character uh-huh. uh, with all of his phrases that uh-huh. would just be so ridiculous. Take this. It's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seeing an entire world built around that would would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I've got to... I feel like I need to check out our character more often. Yeah, it's... I mean, you know, Paul Thomas did a, a character like that I saw in a monologue once mm-hmm. and I'm like... And he didn't... He didn't think it was as funny as he wanted it to be, but I'm gotcha. like, man, this character would be amazing for like, a si- like you should write a pilot based on this character. It's uh-huh. just so funny. Uh-huh. And then I was like, why aren't why aren't we taking why? This? <laughs> why aren't we taking no, this? Uh, forget what I said. Don't write a pilot. Just let me do a show on the playground about it. We're just gonna improvise and figure it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was sort of the inspiration for me to get it done. Yeah, cool. Uh, beyond just the character stuff because it would be really great it would, you know it's like we have all the, everybody's creating so many characters now it's like well, this is the natural progression for them right uh-huh. it's like we need to start seeing what they taking advantage actually, yeah. yeah they can't all just be showcase pieces or, yeah or whatever there's or, definitely or, or part of one man shows i mean how many one man shows in the world can we truly have right you know, right and you like see really long ones yeah and you see a lot of like comedy now I, 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 for instance i've been have you seen any of andy daly's review uh, it's a new Comedy Central show. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, this He plays this guy who uh, just gets hired by a television uh, station to do to be a life reviewer and anyone can like suggest things that they want him to review. Like in one episode he does like prom, addiction and something else right. and he just uh, so he like goes and gets a te- this girl who's like uh his babysitter to invite him to go to prom. So he goes to prom, but he ends up, he does it after he's already reviewed addiction. So he like gets really high on Coke and like, it sounds outrageous, but like it's easily, Oh, you have to watch it. One, two, it's easily something that stemmed from just one idea of this guy reviewing life, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that idea is so simple. And it goes back to like, Oh, Australian preacher, girl dating a wall, like life reviewer. Those are all in the same kind of a list totally. of things. And, I mean, and those are the you know those are the shows that I really dig on TV. Uh huh. You spout it down. You know. What oh I mean? God, like, exactly, you know exactly. I mean? Like, give me Kenny Powers, and that's all. Like that guy can do anything. Like I could take him anywhere. Right? That's a perfect example. He's just sick. You know, he's Kenny so, Powers so is funny. hilarious, and they even each of the seasons they did a, they took him to a different place and mm-hmm. like did a different thing with that character. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the most satisfying aspects of that show was that they were just willing to just totally recreate the world around the character every right. year. And they forced him to, as a character even, to, to change so many yeah. times. Uh, you know, that was the, one of the things that I always talked to the out of character cast about is that uh, when they're doing this character monologue, that that is just one point in time for this character. Right. Right. 
uh, Wendy does uh, plays this uh, police detective, female police detective, who mm-hmm. gets carried away in um, interrogating her witness, and in, okay. the, in the process, her male partner, who's like this, you know, shag bearded kind of cool guy, uh-huh. she ends up like getting flustered and ends up making out with him in the process. Of it. And it's like. That's just one, this is just five minutes or three minutes or two minutes of this person's life. What else would that character she be willing to do? She isn't this, like, at every moment of her life, she isn't this over-the-top person. There's moments where she's vulnerable. Right. And how do you take that with that character and put yeah. it there? Yeah, and, so. and Kenny, Kenny Powers is a great example of that, and Andy Daly's review has really, really great examples of that as well. Mm-hmm. There's an episode, I don't even want to ruin it for you. There's an episode that he, where he reviews, um, the first thing he reviews is eating 15 pancakes in one sitting. Just like, look it up, watch it, (laughs) because that's where the joke starts. And like, it's all this buildup for just the most incredible payoff at the Mm. end of the episode. So I, I swear you'd love it. Um, I think there are, some of them are on Hulu plus, uh, uh, but anyway, um, my guest today is Matt Barbera. Uh, Matt is going to be talking to me about a word that I, ass- or, uh, uh, I assume that you coined this term. I, I, it's, I guess so. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure that it, I'm, I'm sure it's out there somewhere in the vernacular, but, okay. I, but I think it's uh, a word or a term that sort of, uh, really describes, uh, a lot of the experience that, uh, the typical person who moves to Chicago from like. 22 to maybe 32 before they sure. they get sucked into the the regular demands that life sort of puts on them. <laughs> right. So Matt considers himself an alcoholic, and by that he just means going out, being social, drinking. Yeah, pretty maybe much. Maybe ev- uh, involved. <laughs> yeah, pretty much in Chicago, there's something you can do seven nights a week. Absolutely. Uh, and cool, different things. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things about being an improviser is that really does sort of uh, help you in your outaholic ways. It puts you in, Absolutely. It puts you into social circumstances where you really don't have to try very hard to no. be social. You can just show up and be social. Yes, very true. And there's automatically a list of, you know, who knows how many places that you can go on any given night that you know you'll know at least a few other people. Sure. You know, <laughs> you, right. You know that your other outaholic friends are... Uh, you know, <laughs> you know that one of them is playing guitar on Sunday nights at the long room. Right. You know that another one bartends at Tiny Lounge on uh-huh. Thursdays. And you know that another one is, uh, constantly behind the bar at the town hall pub. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, so you know that you have these sort of touchstones throughout that you can always go to those people. And, you know, for improvisers, you know that you can show up at, I.O. or Annoyance or the mm-hmm. Playground or Comedy Sports or wherever it is that you hang your hat and perform. Yeah, like, whatever like you that's it, consider you know? your, like, oh, your whole there, base. There's shows that you want to see. There's people that you want to hang out with. And you kind of know who's going to be there from night to night. And mm-hmm. Many times you're surprised by who you end up hanging out with. Very and, much and, so, yeah. And, there. and that's also part of the fun of being an alcoholic, I think. <laughs> is, is never really knowing who you're hanging out with. And, uh-huh. and that's cool. I mean, it's, you know, it's, that's it's, awesome. the, it's the joy of it. Um, what, what would you consider the inception of your love of being an outaholic? It's, I was, uh, I was really thinking about that today as to the inception of it. And honestly, I really think it's really hard to say that, uh, I earned my degree in outaholism. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I think I earned it in college. Um, I was, you know, 
traditionally, I think I'm generally a pretty shy, introverted person. I know that seems uh-huh. hard for people to understand now about me. Oh uh, no, um, I totally get that, especially with what you were, what you said, like um, knowing that being a part of this community means that you can just kind of show up and not have to like work too hard to be out and be social. Right, and you always know a million people, but yeah, yeah. For me, I think it was in college. You know, I, I went to a school purposely where I didn't know too many people. Uh-huh. Uh, all the Illinois schools had about fifty people that I knew and I was like I just don't want to relive high school so I went to college and I, I where'd of, you go to school? I went to Indiana State the okay College of Lesser Learning go <laughs> uh, to where all the dumb kids in Indiana go uh, <laughs> they grade on a curve I got a really high GPA I didn't have to study very hard it was great uh, nice but I think I think there I, I there always, you go I mean if if you're able to kind of phone in the academic stuff yeah, then alcoholism is, is going to is happen really, naturally uh, it's really a trend in my life I think <laughs> phoning in the parts that should be important um, and then figuring out how to have as much fun as possible yeah uh, yeah but I think there uh, I really I was out constantly I, I you know all of my friends who would sit in their dorm rooms or fraternity house places and play video games all day uh-huh. and then at night they would have to study or whatever the hell they would do at night right that wasn't me I would no. I, I would go to my class and I would get done what I need to be done and I maybe do work in class one class for another class or something I figured if I was done before I had to go eat dinner or as soon as I was done with dinner then I could go out for the night right it was just sort of a game I played with myself sure for four years of college and at a school where the kids are I mean it's Indiana State's a much better school now by the way Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's what my dad said about my dad went to UGA and he said uh when he got in all you had to have was like a pl- positive blood type or something yeah. like that yeah, <laughs> and uh, now it's like relatively yeah. uh yeah. decent state no school. i think it's a good school now and i think they have a really good business program which i was a business I was, oh cool I was an econ major or not or a finance and econ uh, i feel like that's such a uh it's a long journey to improv but <laughs> <laughs> but finance and econ is such a like Frat guy, well, no uh, way. That's I mean, coasty that's, kind of major. I'm not saying it's an easy major. I'm just no. saying it, it's definitely that genre was, of person. It was, yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it's the it's the kind of person I was raised to be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that was something else you mentioned. Yeah, that uh, you feel like you uh, were cultivated to be a yeah. part of this culture. Yeah, I mean, I I was definitely raised on the precipice of being a bro. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, was, I could have easily teetered that way. Um, uh, I think that that is, uh, that is highly, you know, I was grew up in a house with two parents who loved and supported me and said I could do anything I wanted to. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, did, that, did you grow I think that's a fundamental in Indiana or no, in I, Chicago? I grew up in Chicago. In okay. The, in the burbs. Uh, okay. uh, so firmly suburban upbringing. And I think, uh, Every I do everything in my power to sort of fight that battle <laughs> now is to not be, you know. So yeah, I, you know. I, yeah, as soon as you I mentioned that bird, to me yeah. via email, I was just yeah. like, yes, I yeah. would love to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in the Burbs, played a bunch of sports. I played hockey growing up as a kid, and played on like really competitive hockey teams. Wow. Uh, I played on. Uh, I played hockey from when I was six till I was eighteen, so really twelve, thirteen years of yeah. That's about how long I played of, soccer. Of organized hockey. I played on uh, six teams that won Illinois State Championships. Holy so, like, shit. Really good. Um, my freshman year of high school, I played varsity hockey. And that was kind of how I got to be kind of cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was a really quiet kid. So 
The um, fact that you were a freshman yeah, on the yeah, varsity I, team. Yeah, I think people cool. liked it. And I was like a really little guy, and I would start a bunch of fights, and the football players would end up saving me <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> because when you're, li- like when, when you're little, you're just, getting your, you're just getting your ass kicked all the time. And I'm like, I am fucking sick of this. Yeah. So I would just turn, like one time this really big guy hit me and slammed me into the boards, and I got up and... Uh, skating away and somebody touched me and I just turned around and I punched this guy. And, uh, the guy who hit you Yeah, afterwards. and when I punched him, I hit him like in the stomach, which is about eye height to me. <laughs> I looked up at the guy and I'm like, Ooh, all right, I'm out of here. So I skated. So that was like my, that was my existence of, of high school hockey. But yeah, so I, I played like a bunch of sports. I was like really a sport out growing up. Like my dad was like going to sports. I loved it. I was, I dug that a ton mm-hmm. and then went to college was like a finance and econ major thought that i was going to be a stockbroker mm-hmm. uh, you were in a fraternity right oh yeah not only was i in it you were the president you told us that you told us that yeah. a few weeks ago yeah you know um, <laughs> this is a trend in my life is that, is that I, I i do this sort of thing um where i end up in some sort of leadership position mostly uh, because there are places who kind of needed somebody who said, I'll do it. Uh, right, right, um, yeah. And then I just, you know, go crazy. And, By default. And enjoy it. But uh, yeah. no, it was great. I really, <laughs> I really, I really, I really enjoyed that. I had, um, the first week I was the president of the, of the um, fraternity, we had a uh, winter formal. And mm-hmm. my older brother was in the fraternity. And uh, he ended up peeing in the uh no. Hi, mom. Uh, oh, in the, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> in, in the cash register of the... Of the uh, in the cash register? Of the banquet hall. So, um, so the people at the banquet hall ended up, like, chasing him down the down 4th Street in Tarot, Oat, Indiana. Uh, and oh. so the first thing I had to do is present... How much older was he than like, you? two years. Okay. I, I assume well, like, that had one, to be pretty one year, close. One year in school. But, okay. Uh, two years in age. And uh, so the first thing I had to do uh, as president of the fraternity was <laughs> kick my brother out or suspend him. <laughs> For a, for a semester, which was hysterical because I knew he had um uh, he had just gotten uh, right before that he just got an internship to work at uh, uh, it was hot ninety four point seven in Chicago at the hot time hot ninety four uh, but it was like one of the W is one of those like top like kind of B ninety sixes I was gonna say uh, you know, top forty yeah so he was he was it sounds like a he top was, forty he was gonna be away the whole next semester so I could suspend him it would have no impact oh yeah impact right. on his life so we're at the board meeting and perfect I'm like, I'm like I'm like guys this sort of behavior is not tolerated like I don't care who it is my brother blah blah, blah. yeah I'm like he's out of here next semester like he's not allowed at anything and he's like I don't give a shit I'm gonna be in Chicago working for I'm like no. you are a Fucking hated Why? Him. He could just shut his uh, mouth. I'm like, no. what a jackass! Yeah. So he could never let me win. That's my brother. <sighs> that uh, sucks. Yeah, it was terrible. It was hysterical though. But uh, that's so funny. Yeah. So so president of my fraternity, and then I really think just moving to Chicago really was like that was that was it's the master's and doctorate of alcoholism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought, you know what Did I mean? You, I thought uh, my college degree in alcoholism was like worth something, but you know. <laughs> until you came to Chicago. Right. No, that was really... just textbook. That was like, that was like, get some you practical. To, yeah, I was going to say, you had to do some grunt work in yeah, the lab yeah. and uh, some, write up a thesis. Get some, get some practical experience. Uh, and really that's what Chicago has provided at this point. I'm, that's so funny. Uh, this, so you came here right after you graduated or? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm, I'm moved in with my, uh, I moved back home for like two weeks. I was working at, um, as soon as I got out of school, I, uh, with my finance and econ degree, I, I got my uh, series seven, which allows you to be a stockbroker. I got it at some really shitty firm. 
Uh, wow. And, um, because I knew that it would get me a job yeah. like, once I did. And while I was studying for it, I went to Smith Barney and Sears Tower and just asked talking to the sales manager. Uh, and I was like, hey, I, once I pass this, can I get a job here? So I ended up starting working at Smith Barney and the Sears That's Tower. That's awesome. Um, he hired me. He's like, nobody comes in and does that. I'm like, well, I did. He's like, cool. You got a job. Uh, <laughs> That's so cool. So, um, so I started working there. And literally, like, within a week, there's a bunch of, like, young dudes who are, mm-hmm. like, making bank mm-hmm. and just – partying way too hard uh yeah that's i when i first moved to chicago i started talking about this earlier before we started recording uh, my first job was at a uh, pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. in the suburbs and i didn't really have any met very many friends yet except for people i worked with and we all made pretty good money because mm-hmm. it was kind of a crap job uh so they could only really hire people if they paid them enough mm-hmm. uh so we had like a lot of excess money i didn't have that many friends i wasn't really doing any comedy yet right. so my first january in chicago was the like drunkest time i've ever experienced in my life just right. like every weekend friday and saturday going out to like and all the people I worked with really like good beer, so we'd go to nice places like the Map Room and like Hop Leaf and stuff like that, and drink like really high ABV beers and just get tanked and stay out until God knows yeah. when. That was awesome. I mean, it, it's great. It's the best time of your life when yeah. you just move here. And, yeah, like you just can't you can't help yourself. Uh, so yeah, so I was at my I was at my parents' house for like two weeks, and then one night I was out partying with one of the guys uh, that I worked with, and he's like. He's like, man, he was wasted too at the time. And he's like, man, he's like, we got a four bedroom place with an extra bedroom. We he's like, you should just move in. And like, literally the next day, I went to my parents' house, threw all my shit in the garbage. Oh my bag, god! And like, showed up on this guy's door at like noon and <laughs> ring the phone. And he's he's like, what's up, dude? I'm like, ah, I'm moving in. And he's like, what? I go, well, yeah, you said I can move in. He goes, dude, I must have told a thousand people that they can move in. And I'm like, well, now you know how many it takes, bro. That's so funny that that's such a, like, uh, uh, pattern. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just do Show it. up at the Sears Tower yeah. and tell him you want a job. Show up at a dude's doorstep tell yeah. him you want to live there. I mean, so, 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 uh, <laughs> Show up at a comedy theater and tell him you want to be the producer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what you do. You tell people you want to do things, I guess. Uh, yeah, so it's hysterical. And uh, so he was like, yeah, just throw your stuff inside. We're going to a block party. And which is, like, the perfect, like... <laughs> noon the next day yeah. <laughs> and that was it so we ended up like i don't know retro on roscoe or whatever the hell it was uh, uh yeah and that's how i lived there and i'm like he's like dude i don't know about you moving in and i'm like i like i went home and told my parents that i'm out of here yeah i think they were really excited about it you know? <laughs> i'm like i can't go back and they're like all right i ended up living with that guy for like five years that's like, so one, funny one of my one of my best friends today uh kenley jackson uh <laughs> cool like it was the greatest i think everybody always remembers really like the first people they yeah. live with or the first cool people they live with you know absolutely I, I just i got so lucky with those guys uh the two guys i moved in with um they were both like in really corporate jobs when we got there but we were all you know 23 22 right so like really corporate job doesn't really mean shit when you're that no <laughs> you're that, no but uh within five years my buddy kinley started an outdoor adventure company in colorado so he does like fly fishing and 
cool. Hi, hi, he had just like made enough bank. His somebody in his family died, and he inherited, oh, inherited, nice. inherited some money. And like he was just already like doing that on his own. And he's yeah. like, well, I'm just gonna set up a thing. And cool. And so he ended up starting this company. And, and like, oh, nice death in the family. <laughs> Sick, dude. Hey, man, sometimes, sometimes shit works out. Uh, I think it was like a distant hand, so it wasn't too. Sad. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and then uh, my other buddy Danny. That recently cool. happened. With my parents, like, my, my dad's, like, godmother, someone that, like, he was really close to, you know, when mm-hmm. he was growing up, uh, you know, kind of, like, passed away, but he had to find out about it via, like, another distant relative yeah. or, like, a letter or something, mm-hmm. and, and she had set up this really small trust fund when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and it was just, like, right, outrageously accrued money, and, I mean, my parents aren't, like, right. you know, right. uh, making it rain or anything, but my... When my when my dad first told me about it, he was basically just like they were pretty financially unstable for a while, and he basically said something to the effect of like, "We're gonna be okay." (laughs) (laughs) He was like, kind of like tearing up as he said it, like, "We're gonna be okay." And it was like it was a cool moment. So yeah, that can really be a a life changer for somebody. I mean, for that guy, it happened when he was was in his twenties. For my dad, it happened when he was in his fifties. But yeah, so let him do do that, and then uh, my other roommate, Danny Cole, he ended up working on the tile ship Windy uh, in the summer. So he learned, he learned how to sail. That's awesome. And, uh, within like two years, he was like captaining his own boat in, in the, in South Florida, like taking boats around the world. And now he's like the captain of a 125 foot boat that in the winters he's in like the Caribbean. And in the summer he's like up in, uh, uh, Nantucket and all that. Awesome. So like, I'm like, all right. So like the two, you guys put in your, and I'm running a theater and I'm like the least coolest. I'm like, damn man. I'm like, like I'm like the least coolest guy. I got an outdoor adventure guy. I got a, a buddy who's like captains a ship. And I've seen people come to this theater who are like yeah. incredibly successful comedians now, and I hang out with some of the funniest people mm. that exist. Mm. Period. Right. But you guys are still cooler <laughs> than me. How did this happen? Yeah. You guys all went to uh, alcoholic grad school together. Yeah, and- <laughs> I, I love those guys. Though. And those guys really. I think they they're the ones who really. Taught me to party, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I never... When I was in college, I maybe smoked a little. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe, like, once or twice. Over the whole time you were in yeah, college? Yeah, like, I was not a... I drank a lot in college, which is, I think, the, a very standard. But Pretty like, traditional. But as far as, like, any other extracurriculars, absolutely right. not. But these <laughs> right. guys, they gave me a crash course. And they taught me the right way, you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. not, they're not... There was they were, weren't going to thrust you into really stressful was, situations. It was, it was pretty great. And those guys, you know, yeah, it was, I mean, it, my Chicago experience was amazing. And it just sort of built out from there, you know. You're just constantly going out. And, uh, yeah, I, I I think, man, yeah, I, I'm sort of like a recovering alcoholic now. Oh, yeah, that I'm is not, what you I'm said. I'm not quite, I mean, I'm, I still go out quite a bit. I think for, like, my friends who are married in the suburbs, they would probably consider like raise an eyebrow consider me you know i mean that the thing about being an autoholic and i think the thing that's really confusing for a lot of people is that they might think that you're an alcoholic or they might right. think that you're a pothead or right or other sort of substance abuser you know uh-huh. but i've never really been like i drink but i'm the kind of guy who will carry a drink with me for a lot so although i'll have a drink in my hand for like five or six hours i'm not yeah. like 
generally pile driving drinks to where like, yeah. I think I have a drinking problem. And every, and you're not every single time you go out getting like yeah, drunk no. to the point of blackout. I'm and pretty good. I mean, to I, the point of debilitating yeah. uh, uh, hangover the next day and yeah. stuff like that. I think, you know, when I, I think it's really interesting at the time when I was sort of uh, being, at the time I was sort of granted the reins to the playground, mm-hmm. I'll say, uh, would you consider I, that like 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a pretty big partier. I think. Okay. Like, I think there, uh, when I told my improv team that I was probably going to be the president of the playground in like a month, <laughs> they all laughed at me. <laughs> you know? They're like, what? You can't even take care of yourself, dude. Like, you know? That's I, really I funny. Think they were all like, what? How can that possibly be? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I think once I started doing it, I think everybody sort of figured and I think yeah I, I I was having a real good time I was enjoying the full benefits of being a Chicago improviser and all sure. the, <clears throat> all the fun that it had to offer and I still do now I just right. you know being being married and you know I think w- one could probably argue and I hate to out my wife but <laughs> one could argue that in her past life she was also an alcoholic <laughs> we sort of found each other it seems like you guys and, have that in common and, yeah and um and I think we're sort of finding a nice balance for ourselves now between being out all the time and living a regular life. Yeah, I don't know if don't you know remember this exists. or not, but when I first uh, talked to you about the podcast, it was at the party for um, the 10-year anniversary mm-hmm. of you being the producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, what is it? The Perfect 10 with yeah. Matt Rivera. Mm-hmm. Um And I, I talked to you and Wendy about it, and I think one of the things that, like, came up as I just like told you the premise uh of what it was and I think one of the things that came up and it may have even been Wendy who suggested it was like um uh buzz like maintaining a buzz throughout the night the buzz buzz management system yeah I knew there was a BMS yeah Yeah, (laughs) I knew there was an abbreviation I couldn't remember what it was yeah it's something that uh, um Mike Dwyer from Mustang Repair kind of I Mm -hmm. think he was the 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 godfather of the buzz management system but yeah it's just sort of a a strategic drinking and partying system to make sure that you make it from the beginning of the night to the end of the night right you don't uh <laughs> flash in the pan and yeah. you don't end the night you know bored or yeah. Uh, yeah. feeling like you didn't yeah. really accomplish what you set out to do yeah. i i could feel that yeah you want to have an approach you want to have a really good buzz the entire night uh-huh. and you want to hit your peak uh-huh. you know at a certain point in the night but uh-huh. you don't want to go over that, and, you know, there's, and you don't really want to go home drunk. Yeah, and I think be you know over. there's an implied maturity in your partying. I think that uh-huh. you need to have the BMS. There's plenty of times I think <laughs> in my in my current and past existence where we've totally shot through that principle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also a feel. Like it's 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 a feel. It's a yeah. touch thing. You know, like you, I think everybody has a different way of doing it. And I mm-hmm. think the longer you you do this, you know, you know, you mm-hmm. know, uh, whether it's uh, you know whether that third shot of Jameson is the one that really makes you crazy or whether, you know, it's the uh, right, like whether one shot of buzz. tequila does it or whatever it is. Like, right. you, know, you don't like everybody's got their own thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, there was it always, I feel like there are some people that I still see, uh, especially in the community who like every time I see them out <laughs> or whether it's at a bar, excuse me, whether it's at a bar or at a theater, I'm just like, how is every time I see you, you're just like gone? Like, it's just, do you not 
have that thing that tells you to just like chill out this one time. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's just me. I mean, I get, I get that. I'm sure that maybe there's people out there too that are like, okay, pot calling the kettle black yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. I, but. I get where you're coming from, but you know, this we're. I have, uh, you know, I I know that I've been in their shoes a million mm-hmm. times, and I know that, like, we're the. The thing about being an improviser, both artistically and as a person, is that we're sort of at, a, at the age where people are finding both, right? Who yeah. You, who you are as a performer and who you are as a person. Yeah, for sure. So I think I also I think all of that's part of the journey. I think it's hysterical. I, I love seeing it. But yeah, I every totally, time. Right. I agree with you. I agree with you totally. And I don't even say that to like right, be pitch posh yeah, on yeah, those yeah. people. I think part of it is like, well, first of all, some of those people I don't ever see outside of the... Uh, the environment that would perpetuate that. So yeah. they could be like 90, 10 right. and I just never see the 90. Uh, and also, yeah, you're totally right. Th- these are a lot of people who are probably still like figuring that out. I, I have plenty of friends who didn't really like party while they're in college yeah. or, or, or even like drink it all until they really graduated. And, mm-hmm. and if that's the case, when you first go out with a bunch of improvisers, you're right. probably going yeah. to end up plastered. Yeah. Right. It's, just, it's you know, you're just having fun. Yeah, and it's nice to be around people who you can. Yeah, it's hysterical. And you know what? I mean, there's been times like I was at a party two years ago, and I saw somebody there who um, I probably hadn't seen for like eight years before that. So somebody who knew me right before I was okay. the president of the playground, and we gotcha. already discussed how kind of like I. This was like my peak, right? Of like uh-huh. really going at it hardcore. Uh-huh. And so she asked me like a question. She's like, so are you still like partying that way? And she alluded to things that I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like. And I would certainly not expect. And I'm to. like, I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, I don't, that isn't what I, I don't, like even then, that isn't. It wasn't. Like, I don't know what gave you. The that impression, impression. gotcha. You know I mean? Like that, even people th- just like jumped A to C from like, oh, I see you out like drinking yeah. and partying a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's really interesting. Like, uh, I went to my uh, ten year high school reunion a few years back. Mm-hmm. I won't say how many years back, but <laughs> a, a few years back. And when I was in high school, uh, my brother and I were the two guys who like threw the high school parties. My, cool. My dad traveled a bunch, and my mom was would go with him on trips. So we basically had the house. This is before, like, uh, sorry, mom and dad. Was, again. No, totally fine. They, 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 uh, but like, like, so like, we were those people, and okay. so in my ten year high school That's reunion, so this girl walks into the reunion, and she goes, "So, hey, Matt, you got to get some coke on you," and I'm like. What the I'm like, fuck? I'm like, I just threw the parties in high school. I'm, not, I'm like, I get it. Like, like I was the biggest, right, I, I was apparently the biggest partier in high school. Yeah. So people just back like, to the bro life. Uh, yeah. But, um, like, bro life. but, uh, you know, it's like, I get it. I guess if you might as well start with the guy who threw all the parties to see if he has the Coke, I guess. Yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> didn't think about bringing Coke to my 10 year reunion. <laughs> You're but out like, of it was, luck. It was hysterical. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I like, I'm kind of honored. Right. Uh, think that I Oddly, like, I, I, I guess I'm more honored than right. offended. I'm like, Thank you, but glad that I don't because I would feel real right. Sad. Yeah. Feel real so, sad about myself. Hey, so you know what? I think this is a billboard for like a uh, gateway drug being like not a thing, yeah. at least <laughs> in your case. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like just because you go out and right. drink doesn't mean and because. You, you know, 
know, <laughs> through all the parties in high school doesn't mean you're uh, no. you're holding coke at your ten year <laughs> reunion. I'm like, wow. I'm like, you were in like all the advanced classes. What happened, <laughs> what happened to you, girl? I don't know what happened. You were a smart girl. You were really smart, man. Ten years been rough. Uh, but yeah. Did you uh, was Adderall a gateway drug? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was in. Uh, I'm just old enough to where, like, uh, a lot of pills were not prevalent at the time in my high school experience, you know? Uh-huh. I just missed that, and I'm kind of glad I never, uh, that, that isn't, like, my... I didn't really know... I guess some people... Uh, I went to, like, a relatively academically rigorous um, high school for my junior and senior year, and there was, like, maybe a little, like, whisperings of, of like, Adderall abuse, mm-hmm. but... Barely, and the people who did it, I what like weren't people I was close to, and we're talking maybe one or two people out of 160 right. like students who are grinding to try to like right. get good grades, which seems like a decent percentage when you think about it, and think about like uh, that kind of thing is relatively abused at this point, as far as I can tell. Uh, but then, yeah, then I went to college and I remember the first person that I ever talked to who had told me they had taken an Adderall and it was like three in the morning in the 24 hour study room and she was like writing a paper or something or supposed to be. And I came in and I was like the only person in there that she knew. And she was just like, Oh, Hey, Mary Beth, what's up, dude? How you been? Like, and just like rattled shit off at me, uh, just a mile a minute. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of terrifying. (laughs) I don't think I'd ever be able to work in that mental space. But uh, yeah, I don't know. uh, So you you think you were like barely on the cusp of that being something that was prevalent? Yeah, I think I just missed it. Right. I I feel like uh, I have a younger brother who was um, like that's when they were really diagnosing kids with like ADD Mm, and stuff. mm -hmm. You know, instead of just letting kids be creative, they just Mm. try and. A lot of kids, a lot of kids got diagnosed with ADD yeah, yeah, while I was growing up. Yeah. But I just don't think anyone was really like abusing ADD meds yeah. until maybe until I was like in college. Yeah, no, I think it took a while for that to mm-hmm. really happen. But that's crazy. I don't like it. I don't either. It feels very uh, stilted. I mean, I, I'm sure it's probably still something that's so like young in terms of usage that they don't even really know what the long-term effects are of that kind of thing or learning yeah. under that. I mean, they know the side effects, but that's about it. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I don't like it. No true alcoholic would use pills. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like that there's a purity to this. Like, let's be honest. This right. Is, this is about going out, having fun, meeting people. Because Adderall is also used recreationally, correct? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I've never, yeah, I've never done anything like that or even in my and to my knowledge, like been around people who were, uh, that's, yeah. that seems so like, I don't know, go to the club or something. I don't know. <laughs> I've never been one of those people either. Uh, uh, what, what are some of your favorite, like, um, do you have specific, like favorite alcoholic? I guess if you're, you know, right after you moved to Chicago, that time period was, uh, all right. So we'll, let's talk a little bit about my, my bronus. Uh, yes. <clears throat> uh, when uh one of the best summers I ever had in Chicago. Yes, this is kind of was, was truly a very bro summer. It was <laughs> it was I was probably at the height of my broness. But uh it was a summer where um 
I just stopped working at Merrill Lynch in the Sears Tower. Okay. And I had a new job lined up, but it wasn't going to start until October. So oh, I had, perfect. So I, had, so I had the whole summer off. And uh, so that summer, basically, I saw 56 Cubs games in one summer. Oh, that sounds amazing. It was incredible. And at Wrigley Field and sort of all over the place, I had a, a buddy who lived in San Diego. So, um so I went to San Diego and saw games. Oh, God, and went, that sounds truly wherever, amazing. Wherever I knew people, I could go. Right. But it was really great. Like, there was a certain um, culture that formed there. You could see who was – so either if there was a Cubs game in town, I was at Wrigley Field. And if there wasn't a Cubs game in town, I was at the beach. So that was sort of my, like, bro summer. Like, yeah. I was just – like, I was surrounded by bros. Just dudes. How old were you, do you think? Uh, I was 26 at the time. So – Perfect. Um, yeah, it's a time where like you're. This is great. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I'm 25, yeah. so like yeah. I, that's. Um, I feel like I've had some really good times in Chicago, and I was unemployed for a while, but like I didn't have expendable income to really just yeah. be because I was unemployed for like too long to have anything that was yeah. expendable. You know what I mean? I was yeah. just trying to like get and by. I knew this thing was coming, uh-huh. but like in. In the back of your mind, you're like, "What if it? What if it doesn't happen?" Oh, you know sure, I mean? sure, sure. But, so I was, I didn't care though. I was, I'm like, I'm gonna do this. Like, That's what, great. Like one, and I've always been somebody who's always like, I've always had, I've always had my stuff like lined up. You yeah. Know? Like even when I obviously, was, even when I was like partying pretty hard, I would still figure out. You know, I would have jobs where I could like show up late or yeah. whatever it was. Right. Um. So uh, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, the yeah, I mean, I I feel like I just uh, sidebarred it with like I've never really I don't think I've ever really had the opportunity. Yeah, to just no, kind it was of amazing. It I loved it. I mean, it was it was such a great it was such a great time to be able to do that. But knowing that knowing that I had something on the back end made yeah. it, made it a little of free. course. But then it also just and then and that. that totally differentiates you from a lot of people who would just get fired for being shitty at their job because they had been going out too much and not putting in enough uh, effort and time to, you know, maintain it. And then using unemployment money to go get drunk every weekend and not find a new job. Like, that's a totally different situation. We're not judging you. Uh, No. (laughs) I I mean... (laughs) But uh, it was great. I loved it so much. The thing that was really cool is that... uh, you make friends like that way that you like, I, I don't think I ever hung out with any of those people like after mm-hmm. that summer again, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but, uh, it is a certain lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, uh, one of the, my buddies that I made that summer was the, um, he ran the health club in the Sears tower. Like, <laughs> so like when I left, he's like, dude, we got to hang out. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, this guy runs out. And sure. so, so I hung out with him a lot that summer. Uh, I, uh, one of my buddies, uh, that I made at the beach, like had a boat. I'm like, I've never, really, I've never really had a friend with a boat. Like me neither. If you have a boat, let's be friends. Seriously. Um, <laughs> both of us hit us up. Uh, if you have a friend with a boat, call, uh, we actually have the Nerdlocks have a podcast hotline. It's four Oh five jaw nerd. If you have a friend with a boat and want to send an open invitation for that boat, Mary Beth, would, John Mary Beth would like to do her next podcast from somebody's boat. Yes, yes, uh, so. yes. If you if you want to be on the podcast from now on, I will boat. only do it if you approach me with a boat. With a boat. boat. With a boat. Uh, wait. So that was great. I love that. Yeah, I have a friend of a friend with a boat at this point, which is too many. That's right. too many qualifiers. It's just one step away. You got to have a friend with a boat. <clears throat> yeah. I think that, like, having a friend with a boat, it was like having a, 
a friend with a pool when like you're a kid. Yes, you know? <clears> it <throat> totally is. I know a, a kid who lived down the block from me. His name was Keith Dubart, and uh, Keith <laughs> that's had, a nice name. It was Keith awesome. Dubart. I, love, I love people's names. <laughs> me I mean, too. My dad has the best of friends' names. <laughs> when uh, when Adam Levin did the podcast, he he had listened to a few to like get a sense of what yeah. it was, and uh, he brought a bunch of things in with him that he just like wanted to mention to me right. about the podcast yeah. that he had listened to, and one of them was, "Did you go?" Did you grow up in the Vatican? Because all of your all of the names you mentioned are just incredibly Catholic. <laughs> I was like, no, everyone I knew growing up was just a total wasp. <laughs> yeah. So Keith Dubart had a pool, uh-huh. and like we would call him up, and be like, "Hey, Keith, you want to go swimming?" And he'd be like, "Yeah," because he didn't want to go swimming at his pool. Uh-huh. And we'd be like, "We'll be over in ten minutes." <laughs> so that's, that's how that's how I feel like. Both That's, people are like Yeah, I didn't like, have a friend who I didn't have a friend with a pool, but I had a friend with a trampoline. My best nice. friend Mary Helen had a trampoline, so every time we went to her place, we jumped on the trampoline. She was like, Man, I never do this when you're not here. It's a very similar <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a friend in San Francisco who parties like an insane person and uh, every time I go there he says that too and I don't believe him. <laughs> I never party like this. I'm like, whatever. Come you on. Can't dude. Just me, <laughs> I'm only doing this because I'm in here for right. the weekend in San Francisco. Right. Every time I come, you're What's hooked your up, excuse? bro. <laughs> My friends who don't party aren't hooked up like that. You yeah, I mean? right. Like, like they don't, they don't know. They don't know what's going on. They're like, what? No, I have no clue. I don't know where we should go. <laughs> like, he knows everything. It's what are right. some? Uh, let's go through a like timeline. What are some of your favorite places to go out? What were some of your favorite places to go out? Say in that some, you know, sure. elusive summer, and what are some now? Um, <clears throat> the elbow room, uh, always had, a at like Lincoln yeah, and Lincoln and, uh, George, uh-huh. uh, always had amazing, amazing music in the basement. And on Sunday nights they had, uh, a group called Sumo, uh, which was like, uh, people from Ploy Dog Pondering and Cassius Clay and like all the big Oh, bands. I've heard of Ploy Dog Pondering. <laughs> yeah. So it was like just, and it was like the night where like these amazing Chicago musicians would come in and, uh, come in and jam out, you know? Cool. Uh, uh, on the the bro scene, uh, <laughs> there was some the uh, Melvin B's truck stop. Uh, it's on uh, on uh, Rush Street downtown. Like oh, so so, I don't know <clears throat> any bars no. or clubs downtown. It's totally high end bro tip. Right what there. is it called? Melvin, Melvin B's. The tr- it's a truck stop. It's not really a truck stop. It's an out- <laughs> it's an outdoor beer garden, sort of in the summer. Does that, it still exist? Oh yeah, it totally does. Wow, totally does. Uh, it's right. Sort of between, uh, we were the Viagra Triangle is where like right. Gibson's and uh, what's the Italian place over there uh, and the Tavern on Rush and all that. It's like right in that area. Yeah. It's the one outdoor beer garden and it's pretty good. Um, at the beginning of times, like when I was first partying in Chicago, Stanley's was an amazing place to go to. Oh, um, I've heard of Stanley's it's at, for uh, sure. Armitage and Lincoln. But the, the, yeah. cool, the, the cool part about Stanley's when I first moved to Chicago is that they would have a bottle of Jim Beam on the bar and that you could pour yourself a shot of Jim Beam at any time. It was incredible. What? Yeah, it was just that's amazing. It was amazing. So like that was like the beginning of. So it's just like it's just like the honor system. You don't sit there oh, and bogart it. They don't, they don't it, charge you. At any yeah, given yeah, time, yeah, you yeah. could just yeah, just kinda... pour yourself a shot. And I think eventually, like, it should happen. Right. Because sure. eventually, shit's gonna Some happen. Some <laughs> shitty. Yeah. I, I, this, it's it's one of those. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, some <laughs> asshole came in and ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that was great. Uh, you know. I'm a little more subdued in my in, right. in, in my outs now, so yeah. uh, I spend a little more time in Wicker Park now uh, at some some bars down that way. Uh, 
and then uh, that's funny the, that you know, it's tiny, not even the tiny lounge up here makes a really amazing drug uh, the italian lounge tiny lounge tiny lounge tiny lounge if you're you mentioned for, that earlier if you're looking for a really good drink it's a really it's but it's super chill kind of a it'd be nice if you have a date i feel like i've heard of tiny lounge is that uh but you don't even live in Wicker Park. You uh, go no, to Wicker Park just to like go uh, yeah. out. Go I mean, out. I live off of Damon, so like we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll head into. Oh, but sure. Tiny Lounge sense. is at Montrose and Montrose and uh, Lincoln, which is uh, it's just a really small, really great drinks. And uh, uh, a former improviser, Johnny. Well, he, I, maybe he's still an improviser. Uh, Johnny Costello sort of is the uh, <laughs> is the uh, proprietor. No, he's the guy who sort of created the. He's the mixologist. Who oh, really, gotcha. Who really created their their drinks and really cool. their best drinks are that's awesome. Things that he created. Now he works at a place downtown. He's really great. Really uh, truly, one of my favorite. Uh, I think I even mentioned this in my like survey that I did for the playground when we were talking about all the strategic planning stuff um, that we're working on right now. Um, one of my favorite nights, like periodically in Chicago it are the incubator nights mm-hmm. that uh, that we have at the playground that are just like every time a new incubator team gets formed at the theater all of the incubator teams are invited to do really short sets and then it just turns into a crazy dance party and like I feel like I've seen some people like at their drunkest at those gatherings yeah I mean I, it's uh, I mean I, I like I just love the the sense of like improv community. There yeah, absolutely. Is, is is that thing that I love the most uh-huh. uh, about those? And like they're just all the teams are kind of fucking with each other a little uh-huh. bit and having a great definitely. Time. Yeah, this last yeah, one. and so I love that you know. And I think that's the thing that I probably most fell in love with the improv community was uh-huh. like just you know as much as we like kind of fuck with each other. I think the way we take care of each other as a community is is so amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that night really symbolizes that at the playground and I'm sure every other place kind of has it. Has too. something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, when I first even before I took my first improv class, seeing seeing something like that is kind of what inspired me to to improvise. Interesting. Uh it was uh uh Craig Euler's 26th or 27th birthday. Oh, uh, and I cool. was in Iowa just visiting and like he ended up sitting in with like all these shows and they made him like, I don't, like they just like, yeah, like put he, him in he, every was set. A, he was a star in every show. Cool. Like, just, it was just so amazing to see that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and to me it was like, I get this, you know, that I played sports cool. my whole life. So like the whole team mentality, right? Like, sure. Like that was really cool. Like that's certainly something somebody who plays sports with sort of loses when they become old enough to not, yeah. be, not be good enough to play anymore. Do you play uh, any, um, <clears throat> rec sports? You know, I played, um, men's hockey for a few years uh-huh. and, uh, when I quit playing competitive hockey, I, uh, shattered my ankle in a game Oof. and uh had like a screw and a plate in my ankle how and, old were you uh 17 18 so oh right that's before. so tragic I was, I was gonna go play uh college hockey and it just sort of no that, that way was the end of it. you can't be you can't be five six and be a step slow you know so that was kind of the end of it but it was fine i wasn't gonna be like you know what i mean i wasn't yeah. going to the nhl you were yeah but, but it would have gotten you through it would've, college it would have been fun it would have been fun it would have been a different college experience but right uh, uh, so I played, are there would there have been decent scholarships for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I think I had like a. I could have got a partial at mm-hmm. uh, Colorado State. Cool. Had I gone, but instead, being that I wasn't going to play hockey, I just ended up going to Indiana. State, right, right, right. Like, I turned, feel like that's not an uncommon it turned out story. Awesome. It turned out awesome. I, I have no no regrets at all. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I played men's league for a few years, and the problem with men's league is they don't let you check or hit each other. Ugh. So these, uh, and the reason it's bad is that then people start hitting you with their sticks. Oh. You know? So then people would hit hit me with their stick in their in my ankle, and 
I don't. Jesus. I, so I ended up getting like my last men's league game. Some guy hit me in the foot, and I'm like, don't do that again. And the next time he hit me in my foot, and then I got in a huge fight. And uh, <clears throat> nobody on my team helped me out. No. No, I got my ass kicked. It was terrible. How? So this was like in Chicago in a men's yeah, league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. It was like I. Yeah, I ended up punching somebody, and then like two or three people jumped on me, and I ended up getting wow. like my helmet ripped off, and I'm like, oh man, this isn't good. So that was the end of it. I'm like, that's I'm not, crazy. I'm not, I'm not risking getting. When, when, yeah, when you mentioned, uh, I'm not risking getting hurt for like it's not. Sucks, there's not enough, there's not enough wins in it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I have a college professor who um, like plays basketball just to kind of try to stay in shape. Um, and he's uh, you know middle aged, uh, older than you for sure. And he like contemplated uh, stopping just because there are so many like young professors and and I guess maybe some students who would come out to these like pickup games that they would play who were like too rough in a basketball setting that he had to contemplate because he just has you know bad knees and bad ankles and he was just and that sucks like you should be able to find some outlet just to be able to hang where people don't like make it shitty it's tough I Uh, I was gonna ask it's too bad that like I don't know I would love to I mean you know obviously I'm a competitive person. I don't right. think you can, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could be, a, you, I don't know. I think being a competitive person is good. Like I, was, for being a producer. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, you, you said something recently, uh, about like, uh, be like being a producer meant that like, uh, you weren't interested in people who didn't have some sort of self-interest, I think is the yeah, way totally. that you said it. Yeah. I thought that was so intriguing. Yeah. It's just like, you know, if you want to produce a show uh-huh. where you are not the person in the show, right? And I uh-huh. think, you know, you certainly can produce shows that you are in, but I think true producers are kind of producing shows with multiple people. Yeah. And yes, if, if that person doesn't have a drive to, to be great uh-huh. or be the best that they are or put up the best show possible, then why would I want to work with them? Yeah. That's you, so great. Like, it's, it's just, it's, you know, I can. Right. You know. Yeah. It's, it's it's the similar message that I like. Try, I try and communicate with 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 people is like, look, if you if your improv is playing frisbee on the weekends, <laughs> right? If it equates to that, then we can find a place for you. It's just probably, it's, it's just probably not in a, in a prime time slot. Right? Yeah, uh, right. And, and as a producer, like you know, you can you have to you have to look at it and be like, all right, what can it be? Now, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. You know, people like me have an implied advantage when it comes to being a producer in that um, uh, I'm going to be a little bit more patient with shows that I produce, right? Like, I'm like if I see the potential in something, I'm going to give it the room to grow to where it needs to be. Cool. Uh, whereas, like, if somebody else, an independent producer, comes in and produces a show at the playground, for the most part, they're like, look, I got six to eight weeks. They're to trying make- to hustle. Right. I have six to, eight weeks, I see. six to eight weeks to make this happen. I see. You know? Whereas, like, a show like to give me five, the first... You have the luxury of sure. the playground to give you more patience. Sure. And, you know, I mean, the first two seasons of the Gimme Five were good. Mm-hmm. They were good. But if I were to look at the box office numbers, maybe not good enough to keep around. That being, right. That being said, as a You pro- knew it could be yeah, something right. and, as, and, as a, and as a producer, I'm also not afraid to produce stuff that might be in a traditionally not great slot. Yeah. You know what I mean? A Wednesday at 10 became so, one of the most right. popular shows of the playground. Right. So, like, you know, like, you can take those risks, I think, in, in those spots. And, uh, 
uh, I enjoyed that, and I knew that we would eventually build something there. I just felt it, and it was working. And cool. And now it's good. Like, even on a regular night, it's great. And the finales are just sick, and Ugh, it's great. So awesome! It. Yeah, anyway, I, one of my favorite things. I we had a show at eight o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, um, before that, my playground team scalded, and like uh, I I had been considering sticking around, and there were, and like, but it was just you know I had to work early the next day and all that bullshit, and like um, I knew it was the finales, I knew it was going to be a good show. That was not what was factoring into my decision making process, and in talking to a few other people about it. And then being like, ah, like, uh, but it, you know, like, should we say? And I'm like, for me, it's not a matter of like knowing if the show is going to be good. I know it's going to be good. And then afterwards, the couple of people I had to kind of convince were just like, oh my God. And I was like, I know. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, the, the amount of grief, I mean, it's, I couldn't be more proud of like the whole community itself. Just it's to, amazing. Just to see it's how- just, at a place that's smart just, and funny and yeah. well written and well acted, these things are is yeah. just unbelievable. It's, uh-huh. it's it's really exciting to see like the amount of. I mean, didn't you say that the top four people were all separated by one? It was like seven yeah. votes, seven votes, seven votes, eight votes, yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Like that. If that isn't a sign that right. people, so it, many people are just firing on all cylinders, yeah. I don't know what is. Yeah, and the other thing is, I don't feel like people voted on party like. Yeah. Sometimes you see people like in in like on the weeklies, people will vote along party, of course, along party lines. You yeah. Know, like, oh, I got my buddy in the crowd, but I I really think that that isn't it's, happening. At I, the think it's I, think, I think it's merit based in finale as well. I think people really want the yeah the, the best person to win. Yeah. And at that one, like literally, it was so hard. Yeah. When I'm in the light booth, I kind of score the shows myself. You yeah. Know? It's like all right, and literally, it's like. Man, that is so like it's so. Close. It was impossible. So it was even impossible as an audience member to just decide who I thought was the best person. There were so many good people. Um, I love it. It's just it's so exciting to see. And yeah, as somebody who's interested in people, helping pe- helping people be great and just giving them an opportunity. Yeah, like I mean, you know, the biggest thing I can do is give people the opportunity to yeah. to do what they yeah. That represents them. And all those people <clears throat> got to perform all that material that they considered, you know, their A game mm-hmm. in front of an audience of, you know, over 100, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, the, you know, most... Sorry, PPA crowd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some performance... 75 if you're with the city. <laughs> oh, right. Um, I mean, not over 100. I mean, 75. Uh, <laughs> um, and that was... Uh, yeah, you held Gimme Fives at a different venue that right. legally holds over 100. No, I mean, I think, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think that that thing could, if we, yeah, I mean, I think it could, could it could it potentially there. be something like that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and announcing, um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Gimme yeah, 500 yeah. got a lot of buzz already. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the, the natural next step sure. for, the, for the Gimme Five is, uh, we're doing a show called the Gimme 500, <clears throat> uh, which we believe will happen in August. Which will be 100 Gimme Fives in one weekend with uh, the finale happening Saturday at 10 o'clock that weekend and a party to happen afterwards. So, uh, mark your calendar. If you're interested in the Gimme 500, send me a send me an email. Yeah, uh, and that, we'll, we'll get you in. Uh, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be really great. Uh, you know, I think one of the big things for us as a theater is starting to plan out sort of some bigger events mm-hmm. that can uh, kind of sort of be 
sort of big social things yeah, too. Yeah, big, and I think that goes back to yeah, big things. Wanting there to be a social community there, as well as wanting to, uh, you know, you are the president of the playground. You also love being social and being out with people that you enjoy spending time with. Mm-hmm. Like, what better way to combine those two things than to create things like yeah. Give Me Five Hundred and like incubator nights where you get to like see all these people at this venue that you love and have poured so much time and energy into just fucking hanging out and being friends no it's so i mean it's incredibly rewarding (laughs) to see like that that's something that you are spending so much time on to be to be good uh and that people are enjoying like mm-hmm. the space. Like there's nothing, nothing makes me happier than to see somebody have an amazing show on our stage because yeah. <clears throat> that's everything. Like it's everything. A great show is everything. Like <laughs> that's, that's it. Like you had a great show. Excellent. That will bolster you. Great shows will keep people in improv for years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, absolutely. Remember that show? Fuck yeah. We're going to do that again. Uh, yeah. You know, and you know, that's what we're trying to do is just create platforms. Sure. Uh, and my hope is that we can create different platforms for people to create in different ways. You know, uh, uh, we are, we created a, a show called shorts a while ago, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, like seven to 12 minutes written one acts. And, uh, we're going to bring something back like that. Yeah. Uh, I did one <clears throat> and it was a blast. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to produce a show like that. And our hope is that, uh, by February of next year to do a comedy shorts festival. Cool. Uh, which will be scripted and we'll bring in a bunch of different people where either sketch groups or whoever just write a seven to 12 minute one act. Uh-huh. Uh, or maybe it'll just be writers submitting a one act and we'll cast it through the play. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's uh, a great idea too. Yeah. Cause I think there are a lot of people, um, that we don't really see who are, who are writing a lot of stuff, but just don't have the right community or outlet to, uh, put it up that maybe, maybe don't just like, uh, put themselves out there enough. Yeah, I mean, to... there, there's plenty of people who are in writers' programs who mm-hmm. aren't like fully ingrained in the improv thing. Exactly, you know? exactly. And, and I know people who have, been... and those are people that were that everybody's missing, right? You know? And and I know people who have been through improv programs solely for the purpose of trying to meet people who they can put into shows, yeah. uh, who don't even have any desire to be performers. Um. Okay, I have one question that I was going to ask a while ago. Have you ever gotten, like, do you have any good bar fight stories? Because you told a couple of, like, <laughs> fighting stories from hockey-related um, things. I mean, I have, yeah, I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess, like, one, I guess, I don't know if they're great stories. Uh, <laughs> I have, I guess I have two that were sort of negative consequences of sort of being... Okay. Being an alcoholic. Yeah, we haven't. That's. I think that's just um, a stone I wanted to turn uh, over. The biggest one. This was terrible. Uh, I was probably so funny. Um, <laughs> I was funny, tragic. I, I was playing twenty five <laughs> at the time, and uh, maybe twenty four. Anyway, who cares? Uh, I was living at this first apartment that I had mm-hmm. with all my buddies, and it was the we didn't own anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so our house was always open. Like nothing was locked. We gotcha. Never, we never locked anything. Yeah. And, uh, also a very like college mentality. Yeah, just, we didn't care. Like there's no, like no way we had a pool table. Like that was the only thing we cared about. Nobody's stealing that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'd slept on a blow up mattress probably at the time. Like, you know, I mean, somebody <laughs> yeah. steals that great. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, which is sort of a rite of passage of Chicago living. Um, I think but, so too. Uh, I slept uh, on a, a twin bed <laughs> mattress, uh, for like, 
two years, maybe a little over two years when I first moved here. And it had been a twin bed mattress that I like was one of the only things I threw in a U-Haul and brought up here with yeah. me that I'd had when I was a little, little kid. Like it was the shittiest. Yeah. I, so I never did the air mattress thing, but like it was yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. It was absolute yeah. crap. A real mattress wouldn't fit in my garbage bags. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, couldn't move it, so I couldn't move it in. But uh, one night we were hanging out. Uh, There's a, place on uh, Sheffield that had like quarter 10 cent wing nights or whatever okay. it was. Yeah. And uh, so we just, and it was like a long night of just like crazy, like really wasted partying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were really hammered. And so we went back to where the, was your place? Uh, 1134 West Wellington. Nice. And uh, <clears throat> so Wellington and between Racine and Sheffield. Okay. In there, you know? uh, so we went back to our house and uh, we were locked out. Now, I'm never the one who climbs the fence to... I'm never the one who climbs yeah. the fence. You know, my buddy Kinley, he's, he's just he's the mountain climber, right? Uh-huh. Climber. <laughs> right. And I'm like, you know what, dude? Don't worry about it. I got it. Oh, no. I got it. And uh, it's one of those, like, wrought iron gate fences that has, like, the bar across the top, and then it has the ornaments on the top, you know? Yes. So, like, when you climb it, you can put your foot on the bar. And, and then you just yeah. hop over those so ornament I, guys. I climb up. I put my foot on the bar. I go to jump off, and my foot got caught on the ornament thing. Mm. And uh, there's no way to really show you, except the fact that I like fell straight on my face with my foot caught in the sure. caught in the fence yes. from like right. seven feet high. Yes, um, holy shit! So I like broke my nose, knocked out all my te- oh my god, out, oh my god, knocked out my front four teeth. I was bleeding like profusely from my mouth. So now I have to walk up three flights of stairs. And get my friends who are back down the first flight of stairs to let me in the house. And I'm like, all right, do I go look at myself? Do I look at myself? I I cannot look at myself. If I look at myself, I might just pass out right here. Right. So I go downstairs. I let them in. Blood's like streaming down my hand and my arm. They thought that I got stabbed by the fence, which I did not, thank God. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, and then my buddy just, I mean, he totally took, like, he totally made sure I was okay. like, did not go to the hospital. Uh, And, like... I was stupid enough at that time. I was I was working at Smith Barney uh, in this year's tower, and like when you're 23, you don't know what health insurance you have or where you should nope. go, that sort of thing. So like literally, I went into my office the next day, into a stockbroker's office to like talk to the office manager with like two black eyes, broken nose. Wait, the <laughs> next day, yeah. as in you were doing this on a weeknight to yeah. begin with? Yeah, okay. it, was a, it was a Tuesday night, and uh, <laughs> um, so like so I went to the office and she's. Like they were just blown away, Dude, like how horrible you I looked. Do something yeah, like that. yeah. Did you tell them the truth? Uh, no, I didn't tell. I, I'm like, I, I'm like, I got an accident. Mugged or something. Yeah, I got next. Uh, so that was that was that was like a drunk party. That was mm-hmm. terrible. Uh, That's a good one. It was great though. It was really. It's one of those stories. It's one of those stories. That do I you have fake front teeth? Uh, or did I you have I to? My front four are fake. Because of that? Yeah, yeah. That's. That's a great story. Uh, (laughs) I think I was 22 at the time because I hadn't, I probably had only lived in the city for maybe eight weeks at the time. And I remember not, um, like, I think my, people's parents are naturally nervous, like when their kid moves out for the first time. Yes. So uh, I remember not going home to my parents' house for like three or four months when I Because everything had to heal up. That's so so funny. So I could heal up. And uh, finally, I had to tell my mom that I had something wrong with my teeth. So I told her that I had gotten that. A car accident. I didn't want her to know that I was wasting. Fell off, right. Fell off a fence. Yeah, as you do. So uh, it's hysterical. When Wendy and I first started dating, um, one of my fake teeth had fallen out. <laughs> so uh, and I took my. So I took my. I went to. Um, I went to lunch with my parents, and my mom like looks at me and she goes, "Oh, 
you had such beautiful teeth. She goes, Wendy, did Matt tell you how that happened? And Wendy looks at me and like, what, sir, what did you tell her? And she's, Wendy's like, oh yeah, I know. And she goes, car accidents, right? And Wendy's like, look, if you're going to lie to your parents, you better tell me what lie you're telling. <laughs> it was so great. She that was so, is brilliant. She was so pissed at me. She's like, if you're going to lie, like... Like, Tell just, me the lie. Like, let's just, we'll have this. Let's have an open like. It's like part of a good relationship is telling your partner That's so what, funny. what what lies you perpetrated That's for your partner. So life. funny. Uh, it was hysterical. So she was like, she made she really made me feel. Wendy made me feel. That's great. She picked on me a lot about that. It was hysterical, I but love deservedly it. so. Yeah. So I think my mom still knows. So mom, yeah. I hope you don't listen. <laughs> I don't think my mom's a big podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was. Gonna, I I have to tell my mom how to listen to it. Like even at this point, we're forty four episodes in, and it yeah. took a while for me to like really define how to get my mom to listen to it. She has an iPhone, so yeah. I showed her like the podcast app and how all that works. But yeah. so she's got it figured out now. Uh, but even then, yeah. and that was like you know my own mom on a thing that I produce every yeah. week. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, if your mom can figure it out. More yeah. power to her. Yeah, she know. deserves to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what was the other one you thought of? Uh, it was a, a night of karaoke mm-hmm. and uh, As you do. And uh, I'm not a real big karaoke I have like a song mm. or two that I'll go to. Uh, what are like, your songs for? Um, Anything by Bush. Nice, <laughs> nice. It doesn't really, it doesn't really require like vocal range. It's, it's not, just like, and it's not really like as long ca- as typical karaoke you know, fodder. Right, right. As long as you just know sort of the tempo of a Bush song, you got it. You know? uh, so I'll do a lot of Bush. But um, we were, we were there one night, and uh, there is a girl who, and her a girl was kind of hogging the the, the oh microphone. And uh, a really good friend of mine, <laughs> one of my best friends, his um, girlfriend. Uh, said something really mean about... She said something horrible about the... Sure. Maybe not horrible. It wasn't nice. Yeah. <clears throat> so it started this... Certainly sort of, something you wouldn't yeah. want her to hear. And then her... So her boyfriend heard, and then a verbal argument started happening, and then people started mulling around each other, and then my buddy's girlfriend uh, took a pitcher of beer and dumped it on the guy's head. Uh, girls, do not do this, because then your men have to fight for you. It's just not Right. Fair. Yep. Um, so uh, she dumped a, a, a pitcher of beer on this guy's head. So we started a fight, and like literally my... Buddy was standing like by the dartboard, and one of the other guys threw a glass like at his head and literally just missed him. Oh like, that boy! Was the, like that was it was. That's the thing yeah. that set and I'm you like, off. I'm not a fighter. Like I'm I feel not... like that kind of thing is something that sets people off. Spitting in someone's face yeah. is a is oh, a no, like weird. last straw yeah, move. Yeah. Yeah, dumping beer on somebody is a really bad. Like that's, that's a big last that's straw gonna, move. That's gonna yeah. exacerbate. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So basically, I, I mean, I'm there just sort of like a, I don't want to fight, you know? I yeah. already have four fake teeth, you know? Um, <laughs> Not from a fight. Right? I'm like, come on, man, I don't want to fight. So I'm there just kind of like, everything's all right. Right, right, right. Just drunk. Let me get you some drinks. Yeah. You know? I'm not going to, I don't want to fight. Like, mm-hmm. I'm too old to fight. I don't want to, I don't want to fight anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was, I'm like, no, not my, but it was precarious, man. It looked like it was about to go down. 
Yeah. And then, you know, just around several fights, but nothing like that I really... Okay. I'm not a fighter. That's probably a good, uh, I, I... I'm... My, my, uh, my older brother and his friends were, were fighters, and I think... I was just curious. So I mean, much of my life is you... revolved around not being my older brother. That's funny. Uh, he's amazing. Like, great guy, but like, trying but to not... But there are things yeah, that yeah, you see that you're like, I want to avoid that if possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I, I also have an older brother, and there were definitely moments like that in my, uh, growing up as well. Uh, cool. You, you know, that was just something that yeah. if you're going to choose like uh going out uh kind of as being the uh the topic we, we gotta hit the, yeah, the there's negatives some, there's some negatives there's some negatives uh, mostly like being late for sales meetings sure or, uh <clears throat> you know i remember one time actually before i lived in the city uh like one of the like literally i was at my job in the sears tower for maybe two weeks right and uh i missed the train back to the suburbs so i went <sighs> i went into the suburbs and like, this was a big brokerage firm, so, like, there were couches in people's offices, but I didn't want to fall asleep in somebody's office who I didn't yeah. know. So I took the cushions out and put it underneath the desk in my cubicle and set, set an alarm oh. set, set an alarm for, like, 6.15 in the morning. Yeah. But unfortunately, I was so drunk, I totally missed the alarm. And, like, at 7.45, the alarm's still going off, and somebody in my office shuts oh, the alarm no. off. So what I wake up to is feet at my desk where I'm sleeping Shutting underneath off the it. Alarm. And I'm like, all right, how do I get... Oh, no... That was terrible. It was hysterical. Oh, it was no. hard when was the meeting? Did you miss the meeting? Oh, uh, no. The meeting was, sales meeting was probably like at 8. eight gotcha. 8, 15, so I made it to the meeting, but only because that girl came in came and in realized. And shut my alarm oh. off. <laughs> See, if I were in that situation. And I think the person in the office hadn't been there yet, because like, could you imagine me like taking the cushions from this guy's couch and bringing it into his office? Uh, be like, what the hell did you just want? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, cool. To, to kind of tie a bow on this, um, we've talked about it a little bit thus far, um, but just to, to bring it full circle, how do you feel like being, being an outaholic, uh, and a recovering outaholic have affected your life, uh, creatively and how do you feel like they've, that has affected your life, uh, just like in general, if you can wrap it up into, uh, you know, I, I think, I think in both ways it's, really pretty positive yeah um it seems I, like I, it I, I mean we had to kind right. of dig to right. find I, some I negatives think, right i think you know you have to it's it's a balancing act and i think the old bms may be helped um, <laughs> yeah i mean I, you know, I, I, I think i think from you know from an artistic standpoint it really i know you talked with uh brian uh oh man who you talked to this about just sort of about being out in, like early on in your improv times, uh-huh. uh, being out all the time and like in just engulfing yourself in the community. Uh-huh. So I uh huh. So Tim like, Dunn. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like when when I think when I first started improvising, I saw everything. Yeah, know? yeah. And, we definitely talked about that a lot. And even and even um, uh, when I took over the playground, like that was like a time for me to just sort of engulf myself in mm-hmm. the community. So, <clears throat> so I think being an alcoholic really help that you know right and it also beyond just the stage like all the other sort of things whether you're playing murder on the aisle green room till four till four in the morning sure. and, you know what i mean like there's just so many things that, like that you might not do if, uh-huh. if, if this wasn't how you're your general leaning. yeah like you're a typical person who's working as a, as a stockbroker at merrill lynch is not in the green room at io playing murder with allison hell Mills yeah and Caesar, you know what i mean like, yeah just, that's that so just, funny it, it just, you know and yeah it just doesn't, it just doesn't that's happen, a great way you know? to frame it so mm-hmm. um so I think that sort of thing and just, you know, it helps sort of just in, in meeting new people now, you know, I think one of the, one of the downsides is sometimes, uh, you, 
have a lot of acquaintances and not many great friends. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know? For sure, yeah. Because I do feel like I miss out sometimes on, sometimes my my wanting to be free, my need for freedom, which is why improv is so great also, is just like I can just show up places. Mm-hmm. It, it stopped me from making plans a lot of times. Sure, <laughs> so, right. So I think sometimes some of my other relationships may have, may have, may have, may have hurt because of that. Yeah, man. And that'll open I a whole totally other conversation. I totally but, get it. But yeah, I mean, I think just being honest. I'm only then, like three three plus years into yeah. this, and I, I absolutely get yeah. that. That's another thing, Tim, yeah. that I talked about yeah. a lot was yeah. whether we actually have any Real friends. friends. Yeah. No, I, mean, this, I mean, I love And even like... I love them, but it's like, yeah, or like, you know, if something bad happened, who could you count on? Maybe yeah. a few. Alternative, there are definitely a few. Hopefully everyone has a I'm few. I'm sure all of you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Fingers crossed. Alternatively, I feel like... Uh, when you do go out and like put yourself out into a big social situation, I feel like you always hope that there's at least a couple people there that you feel like you know well. Yeah. Like that you're not just surrounded by blatantly surface level acquaintances. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, in the improv community, it's tough because there are, there are, there's just so many people, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, being in a, I don't know, I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but it's just, it's just like, there's just so many people who you casually know. But you, but you also feel like you know them really well, even though you don't really know much about right. them. Right? Yes, you know? absolutely. So, especially, yeah. So it's cool, like, and it's it's still kind of weird. There are so many people that it's so funny. Again, on Adam Levin's uh, podcast, he mentioned Sean Price as someone that he works with a lot, and and I was like, oh yeah, I know Sean. He asked if I knew Sean Price, and I said yes, and then I said. I've seen him perform a lot more than I've ever actually had conversations with him. And then like two days later I saw Sean and he was like, Hey, I listen to your podcast with Adam Levin. I, it's so funny that we never really have had a conversation, but we have known who each other is for so long. We've done shows in the same slot before, you know, (laughs) that was our relationship with one another. So if that's not like, you know, I feel like that's like the kind of the perfect example. it's, It's interesting. I, you know, but yeah, I mean, the other side of it as a producer, the great part of being an autoholic is that I'm not afraid to do anything at any time. Like it, Perfect. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't, you know, whether it's Wednesday at 10, you know, uh, that was a, a pretty good slot before the Gimme Five happened. You mm-hmm. know, um, there was a guy who had a show there, uh, uh, Ophi, who was doing pretty good. Like he, he was getting good crowds and I think his content was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but ultimately I wanted to do something that sort of more represented the, the, playgrounds brand i guess sure giving people Um, opportunities and yeah uh and not that that show didn't but i just felt like showcasing i felt like after a while like sometimes you just have to turn shows over sure uh and he did a great job so not no disparaging right on on his show uh but i'm like all right well let's just let's just see how it goes and if it works great and if it doesn't then we'll find somebody else to yeah produce it yeah so just not being afraid to produce something at any time is great because you're already putting yourself out there in a lot of other ways I, I, i mean the other the other side of that is um Knowing that the Chicago hangout community, like well, there are thousands, I'm talking thousands and tens of thousands of outaholics hanging, <laughs> hanging out, hanging out within eight blocks. Oh yeah, of, of practically all, within the sound of our voices of, of all of our theaters. Yeah. So no matter what time you're doing a show, if you do something that's cool, like there's no reason you might why, get why people I mean, in right, there. You, you, I mean, yes, you might not sell it out every time, mm-hmm. but there's no reason why you, why we shouldn't be getting it, no matter what sure. excuse. There was a girl who yourself. came up to me after the last incubator night, which is, for all intents and purposes, uh, a thing for just the playground community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, as it sh- 
mm-hmm. as it kind of should be. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. just what what its purpose is. There's a girl who came up to me um, and Becca Barish after the show and was just like, "Man, that was so fun! Like, how did you guys get into this?" And we just didn't even really know how to field the question because right. we couldn't tell like where she was coming from with right. it. We were just like, well, you know, we started, kind of started talking about, like, what incubator mm-hmm. auditions were like and stuff like that. And she was like, no, like, how did you guys get into right. this? How like, did you what decide is to improv? Do it? Like, wh- how does this work? And we were both just like, whoa, what a weird first improv show for you to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first two shows you saw were pretty much what this is. Everything else was kind of uh, yeah. off the rails. Um, but it's, it's if you're into trip. it, like, yeah. come to the mixer. Yeah. Like, how did you come here? And she was like, oh, my friend lives two blocks away. And yeah. we were, you know, he yeah, just was, said this is a BYOB theater. It was, it was, it was really interesting. People would, were calling in that weekend and they're like, what is this incubator show that you're doing? Interesting. And the only thing I could tell them is this. I'm like, look, it's unlike any other show that we're doing yeah, in the theater. it is. But... but if you have a sincere interest in understanding what's happening inside the improv community and Come. how and how improvisers sort of relate yes. to each other, like what a great social That's very, very like, true. What a great social experiment for somebody who's not attached uh-huh. to this community to just be like, Wow. Uh-huh. Like I don't I don't know I don't know how to relate it to even anything else. Yeah. Like, like I don't like I uh, like maybe if you get invited to like some small town battle of the bands. Right. Thing, yeah, and, yeah. Like I, like I don't know. Kind of. I don't know. Yeah, my my roommate it's um It's such an interesting social experiment as mm-hmm. well. And for it somebody is. not connected to see that, I, I mean I think being it's, totally yeah. on the outside. And I told him I'm like, it's gonna be awesome. Like uh-huh. this is even like anything like it's just not. It's just not what you Right. What regular people yeah. experience, right? Yeah, and even I'm like blown away by it. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, right. And like, if somebody who's been like, I've been an improviser in Chicago since 1999. Right? I, took my, <laughs> I took my first improv class in 1999. It's that's now, awesome. Like, years Fifteen today. years, yeah, baby. Like, so, so somebody who's been like, you know, spent you know six nights, seven nights a week at IO watching shows, and uh-huh. seen that's a million still main completely. stage shows, and yeah. seen. Plenty of sets and seen annoying shows right. and, and hung out at comedy. Sp- like, like you just... It's still unique. Yeah, like, you just... You, that's cool. You know, that's that, so cool. Right, anything that shows you, like, the underbelly of what's going on inside this sort of society that we have, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a mainstream thing. Like, this mm-hmm. is just, you know, it's just a bunch of people trying to create funny work. And, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> That's so, awesome. It's so cool. I, I think that's a great thing uh, to go out on. Matt, thank you so much for, for doing this. Uh, the way that I close every episode is uh, by saying that, Matt, I love you and I mean that. Oh, <laughs> I'll take it. I will eventually. There's my cursor. I'll cut all this out. Maybe I won't. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.